Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I'll transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. I thank everybody for joining us, however you're listening, uh, you're watching us on video, you on uh, the plethora of podcast apps where this show is now available. Thank you so much for your support of the Blitz. Hope everybody out there is staying healthy, taking care of yourself and your family, uh, and you're doing well. And if you're looking for something to break the monotony of quarantine time, we're here to do it for you with a little Texas football talk on this week's show. Let me bring in the rest of the team as we practice our safe social distancing. He is the master of the soundboard. Drop Machine Extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm having a problem with my left contact lens. I'm doing good. Oh. So if it looks like I'm winking at you guys or <laughs> adjusting my eye, it's I've got a problem with my left contact. Uh, the third member of our team, he knows all about hand sanitation and sanitation in general. Uh, that's what makes him a renaissance man. Not just here on Longhorn Blitz, but on 104.9 The Horn, where you hear him each and every weekday on the triple option with RBKD, with Brad Kellner and Kevin Dunn. Three seven lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. When you get that All American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts. Rob Babers, right? How you doing? Today? Thanks for the intro, brother. Doing great. How about our, yourself? Our home away from home, Rod, the yeah. Onion Creek Club, the no Jimmy Demerit Room, where we're at right <laughs> now. Uh, I do my show with Craig Way, Light the Tower, ten to noon on the Horn, if you need it. Uh, and then Rod comes in here with Kevin Dunn to do the afternoon show. Rod, I mentioned uh, you going in the NFL draft back in 2003. I want to start our show this week talking about some draft stuff. We'll talk more draft next week ahead of the draft. I think next week's show will be draft intensive. Uh, but I do want to get to a couple of things today. Uh, Devin Duvernay is shooting up the boards. Uh, if you look at the latest mock drafts, Todd McShay had Duvernay going late second round. Mal Kuyper now has Devin Duvernay going late second round. Yeah. Uh, Pete Prisco from CBS Sports, keeping in the CBS family for a minute, uh, he ran down a list of 20 guys I like more than scouts do. Devin Duvernay was on that list for him. Uh, and I'll read this from Pete Prisco. Quote, he's a slot receiver who can fly. There is great value in that. At 5'10", he might not be able to move outside consistently, but he can run, especially when it comes to play speed. He is a solidly built player in the Tyreek Hill mold, but one who isn't quite as fast, who is, uh, but he has speed to win on the next level. Right, that's like saying, well, you're not as fast as Carl Lewis. Well, great, who is? Um, But you look at this, man, I thought we were definitely going to have to wait until the third round to hear a Texas player's name called. Barad, you follow this stuff a lot more closely than I do. I look at it pretty much just from a Texas, even Big 12 point of view. But you look at the draft as a whole, and I know you've got a lot of contacts in the league. Are people starting to think that maybe that run of receivers where not everybody knows Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb are going to go pretty early, Yeah, but the Henry Ruggs and the, the Justin Jeffersons of the world, are people thinking that run of wide receivers might come a little bit earlier in the first round? that people might have initially been thinking. Yeah, I mean, I think the projection is four and a half wide receivers in the first round, but I think it could get closer to six, which would, I believe, be approaching a record uh, number for the position in the mm-hmm. first round. Yeah. i got to go back and check it out. It would definitely be the, the most in some time taken in the first round. That wouldn't surprise anybody because this is supposed to be the deepest draft that we've seen at the wide receiver position in decades. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where I think 
for Devin DuVernay what, what people were forced to do. And I don't know how many interviews he's done, these virtual interviews. Those are happening constantly, right? Mm-hmm. So constantly, God, they're, they're, these guys are Zooming with teams, and I, I don't know how many they can talk to now with the virtual chats because they can't have the workouts and all that kind of stuff. But maybe that's part of why his draft stock is increasing. But I think it's basically because teams have been forced to go back to the film. They got to go back to the film. They got to go figure out, all right, you know what? Let me just go look at Devin DuVernay's film. And if you go back and look at the film this year, I mean, there was no team that found a way to stop Devin DuVernay consistently. Yeah. Uh, mostly the scheme would limit Devin DuVernay. And I think in the NFL now, where you're starting to see these, they, they compare him to Tyreek Hill, these uh, these hybrid players. Debo Samuel is one the 49ers use him really well. I think the, the Rams, they really wanted to use their wide receivers like that. You go look at Robert Woods, he'll usually have around close to 20 rushes. They wanted Brandon Cooks before all the injuries. The Rams wanted him because he's a 30 40 guy. A guy that in college had at least 30 rushes and 40 receptions in the season. He can, he can, he can take a handoff in the backfield if you have him flexed out or you have him tight in a bunch formation, whether it be a jet sweep or whether it be a quick handoff. Yeah. It's almost a throwback to the wing T formations. That's what Debo Samuel and the 49ers do. He's basically kind of a wing back. And those are basically wide receivers with running back tendencies. And that's Devin DuVernay. He's a wing back. And I think he's one of those guys that if you utilize him in the right system and you, you put him in a system where every now and then he can be a part of the backfield action, whether it be as a jet sweep guy, whether it be as a bunch formation, tight and flex, you can hand the ball off to Devin DuVernay because 60% of all of his targets with Texas, and he had, I don't know, 130, 100 round there targets somewhere around yeah, there. I don't know the exact number. I got to go look, look through my phone and get it. But he had a ton of targets. 60% of those targets were within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Long handoffs. And when he got the ball, even guys like Grant Delpin, LSU, they couldn't tackle him. And those are guys will be drafted in the second round along with, or, you know, Caleb on Chase on. They'll be drafted in the second round, maybe even the first round. And Devin DuVernay, I think, is getting some respect because teams are going back to the film. His film is extremely impressive, and he was underutilized here in Texas. When you talk about the film, too, Rod, uh, Matt, uh, Matt, actually, go ahead if you want to make a Oh, no, just uh, I rewatched that LSU game. And, oh, like, man. That's the type of game where you talk about the film that you put out there. Like, just yeah. him ability against not only Delpit and multiple times breaking tackles, but the hands that you see all the way throughout the season. But when you're talking about just somebody going and look back at the tape, that's something that's going to stand out. And then, like, you explained his skill set, but it's actually a truly unique skill set. There isn't a player in the league like him where you can find a guy that is, like, say, runs with power, but has great hands, but also has top-end speed, Mm -hmm. but also multiple position versatility. There are ones that are comparable, but it's very rare nowadays to find somebody that you're like, "Ah, man, he has sort of a unique set of tools that none of these other receivers have now. Not to say that he's better than them in all of them, but it is a way to just diversify or separate yourself from everybody else. So having that ability is huge. And then just when you look at the way that like individual games, he stepped up his consistency. And then like even that LSU game, if you remember, he had, I believe, one reception the entire first half and then came out the second half and took it over. And like he was the best player on the field. So whenever you're talking about looking at film tape and what you're left with, those are the type of things that'll make him propel himself. And that's why I said he was limited by the scheme because, you know, the Oklahoma game, the Oklahoma game might have been the most disappointing game in terms of DuVernay's production. Just off the top of my head, I got to go back and look at it. But the Oklahoma game, he didn't do much because Oklahoma knew exactly what the scheme was. They knew exactly how Texas was going to use him. They were waiting for all those screens. And that was before they figured out, oh, let's let Devin DuVernay from the slot run the slot fade. They hadn't been doing that very often. You know what I mean? And that slot fade was you know, I mean, that was big. They ran in with Jake Smith, I think, in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was wide, LSU he was wide open. But I think it was, it was a open beautiful enough. throw. Open enough, and then they didn't make the connection. But you got a guy like DuVernay, 719 yards after the catch, uh, 465 yards after contact, I believe. 23 forced missed tackles. That was more than Debo Samuel had when his last year in college. I think that's what teams are looking at. And I think Debo Samuel, Tyreek Hill, guys who fit that mold, they, they help make Devin DuVernay some money because now teams at least they know how to use a guy like Devin DuVernay. And it was Steelers Depot that did an insane breakdown on DuVernay if y'all haven't looked at it and I think it was 129 targets he had on the season but when you look overall at his uh, contextualized Mm -hmm. catches between the hash marks 
in the middle of the field. And that's something that you don't always see. That's like an area where not yeah, only does it show that like in traffic or you can withstand a beating, but also mentally you understand you're on the same page as your quarterback. Something. We can almost all picture him just getting inside before the safety comes down and Ellinger being able to find. It was almost as if he had to know the ball was going to be there right the second he came out of the break and just to put your hands out and be ready for yeah. it. Rod, I think the variety of film probably helps him too because you think of later in the year, the TCU game is one that stands out, yep. uh, Texas Tech, and then the bowl game. A lot of vertical stuff, a lot more vertical stuff are going to be, are gonna be yeah. on those those three games in particular. Okay. I know there was there was other games in there um, no, where but he did they, some it, of that stuff. It culminates in the, you know, the, uh, the game against Tech, uh, Utah, Yeah, right? That's when they basically all of his stuff was vertical. They I think it was three like, slot fades. I think that was the only <laughs> three balls he like, caught that game. Slot fades, thank you. All right, then they I guess one was kind of a little like a little like a pole, like a corner in the corner. Okay, route, maybe but, right. Yeah. yeah, but they were deeper routes. It wasn't all the screens within five yards of line scrimmage. So going to your point, versatility. That film shows you, hey man, he can do it. He can do the long handoffs if you need that kind of guy. If you need him to stretch the field, he can do that. Contest the catches, as Matt said, yards after the catch. I, I just think he, I don't know if there's anything that he and he can't do. I don't know if he does everything at an elite level, but I'm trying to think, Edward, he's elite. not a great route runner in my opinion. I think if you want to criticize him, he's not a great route runner, and he's not his hips aren't very fluid. That's you know what I mean. Tightness just, in the hips. Yeah, you know if you want to be uber critical, but you look past that because you go, man, I know I can teach him how to run a route. Like that is a teachable thing. And running routes is just the art of creating separation. You know a guy that runs a four three nine and has his type of skill set can create that separation. And there's 129 total targets. I guess after the bowl game, three drops according to Pro Football Focus out of yeah, 129. I mean, that's an amazing catch rate, right there. I would say, and it's closer to two. I remember one of those. Yeah, exactly. Like, one one of them, was like a they write about it right here contested. that one of them he wouldn't even consider a drop. Yeah, that's also, I think I remember that because there were very few of them. You can remember. Them. I want to say there was like a like a comebacker in the West Virginia game where it was. I want to say Sam's. It's one of those throws around. I want to say it was like. Uh, like hash to opposite opposite boundary mm-hmm. to the field side, yeah. and like I don't think it quite got there. It was, it was like a low throw. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was one off the top of my head. I'm thinking of no, that. Yeah, yeah. That could be. I could be completely wrong. Very right few, now. man. They're very uh, few. But let me say this too, Rod. When we talk about film. I think the film has got to be helping Colin Johnson at this point, too, because we sat here right around the combine, and we're like, ah, yeah. oh, he needs pro day, he's going to drop. But it seems like, and I've seen uh, Mike Lombardi, I think, was talking about it, and I've seen other you know, guys that are in the, the the analysis guy, the analysts, if you will, for, for the networks, for ESPN and the NFL Network, some of their insiders are saying teams now are more likely just going to trust the film more than anything because you don't have pro day numbers to go off of, and you, you can't really go off of some of these workouts, so you've got to trust the film. And as a result, we're seeing draft projections for Colin Johnson go from, man, maybe he's sixth-round guy. Last time Matt Miller from Bleach Report, for example, put out a seven-round mock, he had Colin Johnson going in the fourth round. So mm-hmm. I think the film, Rod, is probably going to help him. And there's games where when you start looking at some of these other guys, like if you go, if you're a team and you end up doing a deep dive on Jeff Gladney, for example, yeah. the corner of the TCU, you're going to run into some good Colin Johnson film mm-hmm. doing a deep dive on Jeff Gladney sure. and some of these other guys. So and AJ Green, Oklahoma State, or something like that. Maybe you can yeah, and and, and let's face it. I mean, there's there's enough Oklahoma. There's Oklahoma enough good there. film of Colin Johnson out there that if you're in the scouting department yeah. pulling for him to be drafted. We could put together five to six minutes of this otherworldly stuff. So I, I think it helps these Texas guys, right? Because when you're at a program like Texas, you, you're, you're going to play good competition. You're going to have quality film out there. I think it's going to help all these guys. Even a guy like Malcolm Roach or Zach Schaufer, who might be sixth, seventh round pick, priority free agent type guy, that's going to help those guys get a second look because now you've got, again, if you're doing that deep of a dive into the film, you have to. You're, yes, you're going to come across bad stuff, but you're also going to come across some of their good stuff too. What else are you doing if you're a scout right now? There is nothing else to do but just sit mm-hmm. there and just go deep, deep diving on a prospect. And on and you can fall in love with a guy like Colin Johnson if you go deep enough into the film. You go, look at all the Cirque du Soleil catches and the catch radius. And, he's got, and, he, and I'm with you. He plays faster than he actually is he's like a little Jordan Humphrey and that's why if this had happened to little Jordan Humphrey he would have got drafted if the COVID-19 crisis happened but he ran his 40 mm-hmm. and as I've said before I would never draft a wide receiver ran a 4-7 either you run a 4-7 I ain't drafting you to play wide receiver yeah. Sorry, you can't and play wide out for me yeah, and point, I think for Colin, Colin Jerry Rice exactly I'm saying, but, 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 but different, different exactly. football to, too, to your point though, yeah. Yeah, it's not yeah. necessarily it's, needed it's not necessarily, and you know I am I don't think speed necessarily makes you or breaks you as a great route yeah. runner 
one and wide receiver, but I probably wouldn't draft a wide receiver who ran a 4-7. And that's what happened in Lil' Jordan Humphrey. Ran 4-7. 4-7-5. And then it was like, all right, you know what? He's well. off our board. And if Colin Johnson had run high 4-6, honestly, a lot of teams would have been like, man, he's, also, man. he's off our board. But he didn't have a chance to run that. So if you watch the film, you go, you know what? I think he looks like he runs a 4-5. And then the and senior then, bowl <laughs> workouts. Like and the senior bowl workouts. Because he plays faster. Just like Little Jordan Humphrey plays way faster, or at least played way faster than a 4-7. Mm-hmm. But that's not a four. He ran a four seven nine. Too, it's crazy. Well, and that I was see fun. him run away from DBs. Four four eight, right? And, and that's why I brought up Jerry Rice the yeah. second you said that because I always heard the thing you. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry Rice, Rice ran a four seven, but he was never caught from behind on any of those. That was teams. that's actually freakier too. In the perfect system, mm-hmm. like yeah, Jerry Rice ran a four seven. Getting like, caught from behind, yeah, you know. So sense. when you when you hear that, at that least you're no like, sense. yeah, there you go. That means or that means route running is an art form, and you can learn it. And Jerry Rice exactly because of his football. IQ and football acumen, you can figure it out. Foot, first step, yeah. footwork, things like that, yep. just being able to, what we Leverage. talk about, how Quandre Diggs is able to make it as a just safety playing balls to the oh, wall man. in the NFL. Like, he's limited physically by the NFL standards, but he makes up for it because he's anything ingrained that's football 101 is Quandre Diggs, and you can make that up if you are diagnosing as fast as possible, you're right about your yep. diagnosis, and you have that natural ability just to have angles and understand it's a second nature that comes to you and that's how you can make those guys perform higher than their say track times put them at no doubt before we wrap up the draft talk i'll say this brandon jones uh i heard when he was in training before the facility he was working out at in dallas got shut down ran a 441 laser Really good. It's really good. So he's another guy that I think has put in with what he did at the combine. We know the, the deal. We're not going to get back into it, but the notebook with mm-hmm. his research on all 32 defenses, et cetera, et cetera. All of that stuff, um, he's put himself in a position where I think he's probably, I've seen him go anywhere from like late third to early fifth. So somewhere in that late day two, early day three mix. So Brandon Jones is going to get drafted. And at this point, Rod, I feel safe saying that. If I'm going to bet on something in this draft, Texas, the New England Patriots are picking a player from the University of Texas in this draft. <laughs> really? Because, keep in mind, Tom Herman said, went out of his way to say one of the phone calls he fielded recently was a call from Bill Belichick asking about all the draft prospects. And there's one of these Texas prospects, Bill I won't Chico, say which yeah. one, that I've been told talk to the entire Patriots staff on Ooh. their respective side of the ball, including Bill Belichick. I bet I can guess. So Who I'm not going to say which one. I don't want to play the guess. I think because I predicted one player would go for the Patriots to be interested in. I bet but it's that guy. I, that, that is my bet. That is my my prediction in this draft. The New England Patriots will lead this draft with a player from the University of Texas part of their draft. If, if I said Malcolm Rhodes, it looks like a New England Patriot late in the sixth round. Makes sense. Somewhere there. And nobody else is valuing him, but he's done the research about dad being a coach. Mm-hmm. You know, even in high school and college, played yeah. every position on the defensive front. And then you go to the combine, and his combine, his next-gen athletic score, he's one of the most athletic defensive linemen in the combine. I believe mm-hmm. he's top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is like, I think Belichick's like, oh, what? And this- oh, and then nobody, nobody's going to value him because he's going under the radar and he didn't even get invited to the combine. And it's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, he did get invited to the combine, but he had, he was one of the undervalued guys that was invited to the combine. And he's the type of body type that seems to be yeah. one that, I mean, his only issue was he was didn't have the body coming out of high school of an NFL D tackle. But there's everything else involving him with the physicality to mm-hmm. like the ability to put on lean muscle where now you get to the point that you actually have packed on weight and now you just have this massive yeah. amount of strength that is good strength that's going in the areas that you need it to be dispersed and then like you already said it being a coach's kid in the football like you he fits every box you want to check if it's you're patriot. a patriot yeah no it, it would be quite the alignment but i mean it's say the same thing with a guy like hell duvernay may just have be going too high but he's the perfect type of guy that they would want to value because he can be that because ber- think about belichick wanting to take that next step to who we want well, we don't know what the offense will look like post Brady, but the ability to have a guy to throw out of the backfield, but also be able to use in the slot. And you turn down Welkers to your Edelman's to Duvernay can play multi roles there to where I could easily see him falling in love with a handful of guys. All right, it's time for our first break on this week's show. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24 7. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24 7.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. 
I put together everything Tom Herman said about strictly personnel. Because mm-hmm. I know anytime you do one of these chats, that's what everybody really wants. Especially right that's now when we've got no spring ball. Everybody wants to personnel, personnel, mm-hmm. personnel. That's the meat. But Rod, the number one thing that I mentioned, and it came earlier in the in the in the, the session, which is kind of why it went first in the article. Yeah. Talking about the, the transfer portal, specifically grad transfers, and yeah, what Texas is looking session. at. Looking at yeah. He still mentioned a linebacker still a priority. They're still going to look in the portal for a linebacker. And he mentioned, and I'll, I'll, here's his quote about linebacker, uh, especially moving to a four-man front, which everybody, if you're on the four-man front train, congratulations for you. <laughs> especially moving to a four-man front, and Joseph Osai and Byron Vaughn's being moved down to the line of scrimmage. We're really thin and inexperienced. It doesn't worry me. I hate to use that term, but it's one position that I'll be watching the most for some guys to step up and take the bull by the horns, talking about linebacker. Rod, we talked about it at nauseum. I mean, this hasn't been made official, but uh, I think the, the guys in Inside Texas reported, and we can very much confirm, uh, Tyler Owens is at least going to get a look at linebacker now. They're going to see really? what that looks like. Yeah. At Will, too, just like Overshow? Yeah. Wow, and I didn't I, know that. I think right now, Rod, it's a situation hmm. where we and we talked about the issues okay. you've got there, right? So your two most experienced guys, Juwan Mitchell and Delia Dayway, we found you can't play them in this league together at the same time. You just can't. Yeah. Unless you're playing like a K-State or something like that, you just can't. You just not. And even there's then, a mismatch. There's a matchup nightmare out there for Right. Even yeah. then, you can still potentially get exposed. Uh, you know, you've got David Benda, who is a redshirt freshman, didn't hardly play last year. Marcus yes, Tillman yes. coming off a knee injury. DeMarvion Overshone moves spinning down a linebacker, which I think we all agree could be a really good thing for him. And then you throw Tyler Owens into that mix. Right. I think they're just taking a look at inside linebacker and saying, we're just going to throw as much stuff at the wall as we can, throw as many guys at this problem, and at some point, maybe you come out with a resolution. I love the idea. Uh, it gets back to the position flex we were just talking about. That's why you know you rec- I love the idea of DeMarvio and Overshawn and Tyler Owens at least spending time and learning the linebacker position because I think they're so young and their, their their bodies are still growing. I mean, those guys are long, ranging, athletic. Who knows by the time they're, you know, seniors and juniors, you know, you may have those guys playing, you know, different positions during the season and being able to, not, I'm not saying they're Isaiah Simmons, but being able to use them in that capacity. Right. And I think B.J. Foster also can fit there. And in the Big 12, honestly, that's ideal. You know, those guys should be able to do that, and then you can almost morph back and forth between sub-packages. Uh, but I, I think for, for – uh, uh, for Texas at linebacker, yeah, you want to experiment, but man, it's it sucks. It really does. You don't have an off season now. You want to experiment, you know, with these guys, and you don't have spring football to to test a guy out at a certain position and see if he works there. Right now, you got to base your model on proven commodities. What you know about it, what your last time had with these guys in football really act, related activities was the bowl game. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of your, you know, really that's your source right now of all right projection. All right, let me see what I can. Can this guy play, uh, you know, middle linebacker? Can he play outside linebacker? Can can this guy play guard and tackle? You're basing it off of that. And, you know, guys mature, guys grow, especially some of the young guys. There's a lot of growth there. So that's my concern with the experimentation. But I'm with you. Find any and all options. Just just throw them out there because right now that is your weakest position. And Tom Herman said that. He was asked, you know, what position are you most concerned about? And he's like, linebacker, mm-hmm. no doubt. So he's echoing the same sentiment that Longhorn fans have. And it was something that we hit on, you know, last week and we've talked about just sort of that position being the area that would be best if you were deficient at it but I remember I was talking like this was back in February in one of the shows whenever it was ESPN's Bill Connolly put together a thing just talking about over the years all the models he studied and to see what returning production in college and what Mm -hmm. it results in and basically on offense if you return more than 60% of your production it's pretty safe like you have a two-point improvement or more baseline if you go from 60% returner. But if you have less than that, it's at least three points that you are worse offensively than you were to where there's a clear five-point difference once you start returning yeah. more than three-fifths of it. But you're talking defense, about like points per game or like a percentage yeah, just points overall, on the scale? Well, first off, this is just on your points per game, just okay, production, okay. just on a baseline. But So offense is really correlated strictly to returning production, but defense wasn't. Defense every year was more rapid. And his formula ended up coming back that it didn't even matter the returning production. He only valued 37% of it goes to the DBs, only 5% of it to the D-line, none to the linebackers. Mm. And the rest comes back on your full defense in like impact situations like the other 15% was tackles for loss, 33% was off of passes defended. And it really showed where the secondary is the one area that you can't afford to have to refill everybody. And it's the best place to return production.
question because mm. in theory, if you're going to have the direct correlation mathematically that the secondary gets 37% of returning production and the DL is five, it isn't saying that you're seven times more valued, but just that replacing that secondary member yeah. could be that much tougher because it so much depends on that. And then you're talking about in the big 12. So not only in this odd yeah. situation sure. for the coronavirus where some schools, if you don't, if you had a QB battle going into the fall or going into the spring, you're screwed right now. You don't know what the hell you're going to do. You have no continuity. Texas just coincidentally happens to be in a spot where you have a senior, one of the best quarterbacks in all the football returning. Yeah. It's huge. That's going to put you ahead of the game already. And then yes, you have a lot of experience coming back. So you can hit in Texas right now is at 66% uh, that they have returning on offense, which is 62nd in the nation, but it's above that threshold where you could say, ah, you may be actually a little improved compared to last year instead of being deficient on the offensive side. On the defensive side, Texas returning 82% of the guys. That's huge. And where is the biggest questions? At the one area where you can afford it. And then the one place that's your biggest strength, and it ends up going across this returning production, not necessarily starts, but like if you were to go and get your returning tackles for less returning and all those things. Splash plays. Exactly. So whenever you go and look at it, Texas is sort of set up to where Texas's strengths are in the areas that are going to correlate to the most success, and you're in the one year where you have no preparation, so having veterans in those roles is even better. That is backed up by some NFL analytics that say uh, they're trying to compare what's more important on a defense, pass rush, or coverage, Mm -hmm. and most of the analytics say that coverage is more important than pass rush, which Mm -hmm. it it, it flies in the face of what we have been led to believe. And and I I think, by the way, I think both can work. There are plenty of ways to skin a cat. I think you've got to figure out one way to to perfect it. Don't perfect the pass rush like the 49ers have done or perfect the secondary like the Patriots have done. You've got to figure out how to perfect coverage or perfect pass rush. Trying to do both, you're probably going to fail. And I think, to your point though, in the NFL, all the analytics are saying, no, 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 go with coverage. Coverage Mm -hmm. is cheaper to get coverage. It's easier to get coverage. All that kind of stuff. You'd be better off trying to prioritize that. And to your point, Football now is also college and NFL football. There's no NFL offense and a college offense. They all look the same. It's all Big 12 football. And, yeah, secondary, baby. That's what you should be investing in. If you look just straight up at the numbers, basically in college, the correlation, you're going to get about 70% via the secondary and passes defended, about 20% from tackles for loss, which includes sacks, anything behind the line of scrimmage and returning production on the D-line. That's 90% of your defense, according to Bill Conley. I think it's just tougher to find really good D-line. We had this discussion last time. There are few humans. Yeah, humans that are Chase Youngs. Like, (laughs) Ohio State is amazing. I mean, to get the Bosa's and then Chase Youngs, like, they just keep them, they just keep pumping them out. Like, Mm -hmm. that's that's hard to do. They had Hayward before that. Yeah, like, it's really hard to do. So, most, that's that's tough to do. I think it's easier to find guys that can cover because, hell, that's how, 707 is how young, young skill guys are coming Mm -hmm. up. Yeah. I'm glad we talked about covers because, Rod, when Tom Herman, and I'll get to the other position group he mentioned as strength, but when he's talking about position groups that are strength, he mentioned the second. A lot of that has to do with the way they've recruited the last few cycles. But here's an interesting quote. Uh, He said, we haven't done a great job developing. They've also been really young, but I think those guys provide a lot of depth and athleticism. It's really weird how fast time flies around in a college football cycle, but we're going into a 2020 season where Jalen Green, Anthony Cook, Deshaun Jameson, B.J. Foster, Caden Stearns, these guys will be draft eligible already after this season. Like, so not that they're all going to have that decision to make, mind you, but they'll all be draft eligible. No, they had a, a Deshaun Elliott-type season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just makes me feel old because I remember when I was 18, I thought being 21 was so far away. Because like now you're like, oh, that, that's quick. It's gone. Your career is Now crazy. in my life, I'm closer to 40 than I am 30. <laughs> But but Rod, when you he look at Tom Herman say that, I think it's a challenge to Chris Ash and Jay Valai to say, hey, you as the safeties coach, you as the corners coach, we're giving you guys that have legitimate NFL ceilings based on how we thought of them as prospects. Can you guys get them to their ceiling? And I think you know, Barton Simmons did an article at 24-7 Sports looking at how the rosters that, you know, whether you've had a coaching change or coordinator change, kind of grading how they fit. And he thinks, and I think we can all agree with this, the change to Chris Ash's defense could really benefit Jalen Green and Deshaun Jameson because yeah. they're natural press physical corners. 
but Rod, this is a big year for that secondary, man. Like, they, yes, they did deal with injuries last year. Like, you can't deny that. But I think anybody listening to this, watching it, that's followed this program can agree you got to get more out of that secondary than what you got last year. Considering the uh, the raw materials you brought in, uh, the amount of talent you brought in with that class in the secondary, you know, I'm with you. I think, they, well, this is the year because I don't want to put premature expectations on them. And those guys have played early. And Caden Stearns had one of the greatest seasons ever for any DB in the history of DBU as a true freshman. And he had one of the greatest seasons ever for a Texas football player as a true freshman. That was amazing. But since then, of course, he's had to deal with injuries. Uh, B.J. Foster's had to deal with injuries. DeMarvion Overshone still trying to find his place, uh, you know, and trying to find how to best utilize him. So I'm with you. I mean, I think this is the year where there are no excuses for the coaches. How, how can you best weaponize those players? And I think specifically the safeties, man. I think the corners are going to have an easier, tra- not easy transition, but I think have an easier. easier transition than the safeties. But these are safeties that, sh- that should be able to be implemented and, and effective in any system. These are guys that anybody around the country would have loved to have gotten LSU, Ohio State, and turned them into, you know, NFL NFL players, guys that mm-hmm. should be drafted in the first, second round, those types of players. The guys who got that kind of ceiling. If Texas doesn't get that out of these guys, mm-hmm. that's a disappointment. Let me run this by you, Rod. When you're running a press quarters scheme like Chris Ash's, and again, we talked about it. One of the things I like about Chris Ash, he's not married to a certain coverage, a certain way of doing mm-hmm. things. He's been a Tampa 2 guy. He's been yeah. a press quarters guy. He likes well, it to look the same on the surface. Right, but let's assume, let's assume Texas is going to be more press quarters, which I think it probably will be given the personnel. Yeah. Your safeties in a quarter scheme are more often than not going to be read players. And when you've got instinctive guys, and I'm I'm taking B.J. Foster out of that conversation because I, I, just, I think like you'd look at Tyler Owens, what we just talked about, you look at Tyler Owens or DeMarvin Overshaw, look at B.J. Foster and say, maybe he's more Isaiah Simmons for me. Maybe he's just a guy that doesn't have a position. We just put him out there at linebacker depth and, and let him be a three-down defender. <laughs> uh, when I think about the neat, like read players and, and you got to have instinctive guys, you have a really hard time finding a better safety tandem in the country than what you've got with Chris Brown and Caden Stern. You two guys that are real instinctive that uh, your safeties become critical in run support when you run that kind of scheme. Uh, you know, we talk about the corners having an easier transition, maybe not as cumbersome, but it's not like this scheme changes are going to take your safeties out of what they do. No, I agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, if you tweak it, you probably can tweak it where you can build it around their strengths. I mean, we know tracking the football for Caden Stern's sideline to sideline. I mean, he's got a Earl Thomas-esque type ability to be able to track the football and he's got a ball hawk in him. So maybe you want him reading the quarterback. Maybe you want him as your, you know, your your free safety back there that can, you know, uh, defend the deep ball, put an umbrella on the defense, but also be able to track down anything. And uh, for a guy like, yeah, BJ Fall or Chris Brown, I, lo- I love Chris Brown in the box. Chris Brown is awesome in the box. He's got great instincts. He, you know, I mean, he thinks quick. He's physical. Uh, so, yeah, maybe you want to have a situation. The LSU tape on him is great. It is. Him. So you want to have more, you know, more situations where the concepts bring him down into the box. But obviously you don't want that. You don't want that to live that way. You want to be able to switch it up. But yeah. I think the safeties, you want to build this, the coverage concepts around their strengths. And it should be easy to do because they got a lot of strengths. The VJ Falses and Caden Stearns and Chris Brown. I mean, they do a lot of things well. Honestly, I'm trying to think. They Very few things I can think when they're healthy that they don't do well as safeties. Yeah. I mean, I remember B.J. Locke telling me about B.J. Foster because remember, uh, I forgot, I think it was maybe Brandon Jones had, yeah, Brandon Jones had the ankle injury in 2018 in the Maryland game, missed the Tulsa game, and mm-hmm. B.J. Foster got the start. And I remember talking to P.J. Locke about B.J. Foster, and he's saying, I don't, he's like, I don't think people realize how talented this guy is. I, I mean, he's he's good enough and smart enough to play over the top. Obviously, he's physical enough to play in the box and seen him blitz, but he's also athletic enough to where if you need him to spin down in the nickel and cover somebody, so he's he's so well-rounded. I, I think, to me, Rod, of all those safeties, assuming like Tyler Owens and DeMarvin Overshone are in the linebacker group, man, to stay. Because we know at least they're going to look at those guys there. And then Tom Herman did say they're planning on DeMarvin Overshone doing a lot of things at that wheel position. Yeah. But assuming those guys stay there, I think the safety you've really got to weaponize is B.J. Foster because as good as Caden Stearns and Chris Brown are, like we just talked about, that skill set for him is so unique. It's just it's really hard to 
envision like, man, you really hate to get to an end of the year and realize, man, we wish we'd have got more mileage out of that. We should. You don't want to say we left some meat on the bone with B.J. Mm-hmm. Foster. And I think now that he's healthy, maybe you can unlock him like we saw him start to get unlocked as freshman. Yeah, no, I agree with you because I'm trying to think, you know, what different positions in the secondary different guys can play. I, if I'm looking at Caden Turns, I think Caden Turns can play the free safety. I think he can play nickel if you need him to play nickel too. Hell, I think Caden Turns, even if you need to play corner and go out there and play corner, I, I think he'd be pretty damn good. If he gets long and ranging, you would let him, you know, yeah, worry like, about a mismatch. So, and, and, and I look at a guy like B.J. Foster, and I feel I think you can play nickel, dime, free safety, strong safety for you, and I think you can spin him down as a linebacker, basically, uh, either on the outside or spin him down as a linebacker. He's saying because he's he's physical, he plays that way. So you start looking at the mentality. Sometimes, sometimes the mentality makes a guy multiple. Sometimes it's his skill set, it's their you know their body, whatever it is, um, their build. I think for B.J. Foster, I'm with you. I think he's a guy that probably should be just a defender. He's he's a position positionless player out there. Yeah. He, you know, he can play any position in the back seven. And That's what I would look at him as. This <laughs> is why, this is part of the reason why, Rod, when they were recruits, I looked at him like this. I, and they were both five-star guys, so it's not like one was significantly better than the other. But I felt like Caden Stearns will be ready to play in college earlier. Mm-hmm. B.J. Foster will be the higher draft. That's how I viewed him coming coming out of high school. Mm, I can see that because I can see your stereotypical safety yeah. body is like a you know, Foster's built a little bit more durable. It seems like well, the athleticism for Stearns. It seems like not as if he's slender. It's just like in comparison, like Earl Thomas's small safety in like BJ Foster's body type seem to be more traditional than Stearns. Stearns, like you're saying, it's almost built like Huff was. Like he's so long and lanky and athletic that he sort of. I mean, and Huff could do all those things in college. Yeah. So you, no, I. I I think I, I can see Caden Stearns getting pigeonholed as just a safety, even though I think Caden Stearns could do more. I think he's kind of, he's, he's that versatile. Yeah. But I can see, like Huff, yeah. he's brought up, but getting pigeonholed in the NFL. And I can see if you use B.J. Foster right, I can see teams looking at him as just kind of a, not a, he's not a honey badger. But if you utilize him right and he is healthy enough that he can play a, a number of positions out there for you. Like he could, mm-hmm. he could be one of those. I like look at Minka Fitzpatrick in the league yep. and, you know, Jamal Adams in the league. Like he could be that kind of safety. Derwin, if you, Derwin James. Derwin James. That's, what, guy, that's what Foster's. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think if you, he's ceiling. Mm-hmm. You're looking at it. I think B.J., uh, you know, Kane Stearns, I think he's going to be awesome. But Kane Stearns, yeah, I think he's more of a typical free safety just in his build. Mm-hmm. Um, but, hell, man, you could, I think Kane Stearns can play corner or two or nickel you guys know i think you can play nickel and he's done that for a while while we're on those guys being the returning starters at texas texas production 82 percent of start or production returning this year and if you look at their baseline number it says basically if you're at that 85 percent returning production it's a five point jump and it's in their adjusted points that bill conley mm-hmm. does compared to just your normal points per game but that's a drastic improvement rod you talked and about first year defensive coordinator so we know it's even better defense is going to be top 20 mm-hmm. baby we know <laughs> Let the player, player. So, what do y'all run? Yeah. What do y'all like running? All right, let's Doesn't run matter, that. Baby. We know that these gonna be good this year. It's just recent history. We know that. Rod, yeah. you talked about the personnel quote Tom Herman had with Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington about showing some twenty looks and ten looks. This is the one that got got my football pants stirred because it's been a, <laughs> it's been a long time. Stirred, eh? It's been so a long a lot time of movement. since uh, since it, since Texas has legitimately been able to say this. Tom Herman was asked about position groups he felt were strength group he said quarterback and his quote was I would think that the depth at quarterback is going to be phenomenal wow another thing we talked about last week on the show holy Chicago boys we've come a long way from the no disrespect to these guys because I like both these guys but like the Tyrone Swoops v Gerard Hurd debate yeah come a long way since then yeah, but that's because Tom Herman had a plan, guys. Tom Herman has recruited uh, multiple quarterbacks in two different recruiting classes now. Yeah. So Tom Herman's plan coming in, and I think yeah. it's it's echoing the way I felt about quarterback, the way we have talked about the quarterback position as it evolves, the transfer mm-hmm. portal, and uh, more players' rights at the college football level. You can never have too many quarterbacks. They're like socks and underwear, man. Just stockpile them. And at one point, you know, I don't know which one, but one of two of those quarterbacks are going to leave. Yeah. And you can't control that, by the way. There's a fifth, basically a 50-50 chance, a 50% mm. transfer rate for a blue-chip quarterback that you bring in. So just know when you bring them in, one of them is going to get unhappy because only one of them can play, and that other one will probably leave. Just, just keep them coming in. That's yeah. all you can do. And that's what I think Tom Herman has done. I think Tom Herman has been, 
and honestly, he has been brilliant when it comes to the quarterback position. I think he is a big part of why Texas is no longer in quarterback hell. He, Shane Rochelle, Sam Ellinger is a big part of it, but his philosophy won't allow Texas to get back there. Understand the value, have the value of the quarterback. Yeah. You can't win without a quarterback in, in modern football. It's impossible. You used to be able to survive, and your Trent Dilfers can get mm-hmm. yourself just to the end of the line by barely winning. It's like it, that's basically you could have an anomaly like that pop up, but you have to Love have a quarterback it. and the value of compiling as many as you have. So not only are you never left without one, but then how you can then identify the best one within those and you get two each year. And if you get three classes with two out of those, you better not have missed on all six of them because if you got one, that's all you got to do. Well, you're going to miss. Yeah, that's the like, point. You're going to miss. That's number one. They're going to be unhappy because they can't play the ones who aren't playing. That's number two. Guys are going to get hurt. That's number three. Uh, there's a transfer portal. So, I mean, it makes it easier for guys. And also there is, hey, man, guys are just going to, they're going to be bust. Yeah, very nice. It's not, not going to transfer. So there is a, there's more of a chance that your quarterback that you recruit isn't going to work out mm-hmm. than it's going to work out. So when you're recruiting, guys, keep that in mind. Yeah. Be like, man, I, I recruit two quarterbacks on, on sometimes back-to-back years. Be like, that's crazy. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, I sometimes I would draft a quarterback every year in the NFL. And yep. that's not crazy. It's and 20 Bill, years ago, Bill Belichick has drafted. Bill Belichick has drafted 12 quarterbacks since he's been with the Patriots. There's a reason for that. You're going to get to one of those points in this program, Rod, <laughs> next spring when Sam Ellinger's off getting ready for the NFL. And, and look, we're going to hear the conversation. Like, oh, how much of an NFL quarterback is Sam Ellinger? Where's his value? I don't care where his value in the NFL is. He's damn good at Texas, and that's really all I'm concerned with. But anyway, when he's preparing for the next level, you're going to have Casey Thompson, Hudson Carter, Quinton Jackson, and, and most likely Jalen Milrow, all four of those guys on campus at the same time, yep. competing for the quarterback job. Here's the other part of your problem, or your quarterback problem that you didn't mention. What if you have a situation like Roshan Johnson where you get a guy on campus and realize, you know what, not only did we have a need at running back, but it might be the best one we got on campus right now. Yeah, exactly. And it just so happens that this was your quarterback take, but you know what, he's better at this position. Come on, mm-hmm. He can help us win games here. Yep, That's a missy Val. Yeah. Well, not a missy valuation, but you were, you were wrong, yeah. so you corrected, a corrected, a, you know, kind of a re-correction, if you will, of it. But still, that is why you got to keep recruiting quarterbacks, man. You just never know. That's added value, too. Somehow you were oh, able to right. get what – because some quarterbacks, if they can't play quarterback, they're that's just it. not quarterbacks. It's a wasted scholarship. You got it yourself. You manufactured depth out of a quarterback. It got that's a one. Point. I mean, it's the same idea. You see it happen very rarely. Do they go out to receiver? But I mean, even Gerard Hurd, we were just looking at highlights of him before, and he got value to where if you can recruit a guy and they fit this same type I of skill set, idea, if there's an athletic quarterback that you want to go after to be your power run spread, you can be able to get a guy that can have the athleticism. And if he doesn't pan out at quarterback, who knows? He might be a good enough athlete to actually work somewhere else, which used to be foreign. That used to just yeah. not even exist. That's, what, yeah. that's what I liked about them taking to Quinn and Jackson. We were really both these guys in the 2020 class because Hudson Carr, keep in mind, he was wide uh, an all-state <laughs> wide receiver as a sophomore. Could become your Bo Trahan, at well, least that, on special but teams. Still, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, when Texas went on him early, my, you know, people are like, well, you know, he'd only played a handful of varsity snaps at that point, and that's just the nature of the beast when you talk about evaluating quarterbacks. You've got to yeah, do it that yeah. early. And my thing was, look, if Tom Herman and Tim Beck at the time they had evaluated that position and decided, you know what, we think Hudson Card, we think he's. He's Jarrett Stidham, he's Chase Daniel, he's Ryan Tannehill, he's one of those guys that, yeah, he's a wide receiver, but watch what he does when he gets a quarterback, his natural position, is it's just added value. And Jaquindon Jackson, in the right system, he's probably got a quarterback that, no joke, like has Heisman potential, like he's that <laughs> dynamic with the ball in his hands, but if that doesn't work out, hey, he could be your Derwin James, Shaq Thompson type box safety, like he's yeah. that that dynamic of an athlete. So I love, I love the two quarterback class where you've got guys that if it doesn't work out there, they don't necessarily <laughs> have to go yeah, my the to find a place to play quarterback. They can help you win games somewhere else. So is that man? So basically, he's done that in those classes in a sense because he obviously with Casey Thompson and Kevin Rosen, that wasn't the case. But in this class, both of those guys can do it, and that's a great Rose mentality Shire. to have. Maybe you go with the one quarterback, like all right, this is the guy mm-hmm. we project is going to be the, the future starting quarterback. Another guy. Yeah, he could be the future starting quarterback, but also 
He can be our starting outside linebacker if we need him to go yeah, in that route, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love that idea because then it gets to the bus rate, right? You got to talk about the bus rate a uh -huh. lot, and you want to make sure you minimize the bus rate. That's how you really have a successful recruiting class. It's not so much the boom rate. You're going to get the boom rate if you're developing and, and you're focusing on the details, but you really want to make sure you minimize the bus rate. That's the hardest thing to do. The it, And when a guy doesn't work out at quarterback, a position mm -hmm. that usually, oh, uh, well, if he doesn't work out, it's a waste of scholarship like mm -hmm. no no it's not wasted we're gonna move them over yeah. to running back or we're gonna move them to linebacker or whatever it is then you minimize the bus rate that right that, that way so i think that's a, i don't know i don't know if that's intentional unintentional yeah. or a byproduct or whatever but that's it's brilliant no and then also it also means that your ceiling at quarterback is insane because you have a freak athlete that can play another position but if he is maximized yeah. at the quarterback position now you have a truly unique thing that's rare to find a freak at position athlete skill set but at quarterback yeah but it, if quarterback renaissance in the right system, man, I just Jaquin and Jackson could be special. I mean, just absolutely special. There's not enough superlatives you could put on it if it clicks for that guy at that position. But Rod, we talk about that with the rest of the roster. I mean, getting you know having position versatility. You see that I've seen that with Tom Herman the way they've evaluated guys, just trying to find guys, really trying to max. And when you're building a program, you have to do that to try to maximize every scholarship. Like you take a guy like Reese Lato. Okay, it's not working out at tight end. You haven't needed D-line, go let him play D-end. That's exactly You right. know, with Malcolm Epps, it didn't work out at wide receiver. Guess what? Move him back to tight end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now now with Mike Yersich taking over the offense, that tight end position might have a different role that better suits Malcolm Epps yeah. than, you know, the the pro spread as we knew it pre-Mike Yersich yeah. serve Malcolm mm -hmm. Epps. We talked about Tyler Owens. Tyler Owens, maybe he's not a safety, but if he ends up being, I hate to bring this guy up again, if he ends up being Isaiah Simmons, well, does it matter if it was safety or linebacker where mm -hmm. he ended up being an all-Big 12 player for you? No, it doesn't. Yep. No, Bendis like that too, right? Bendis in the they, they had Bendis running back. Bendis running back. Now it's back. At, now they need him at linebacker. Actually, like yeah. they, they really just put it the way they need him. They need him at mm -hmm. running back that time. Now they need him at linebacker. And I don't know when they recruit guys if they you know edge on the other side. You know, hey, he's we project him as a running back, but could play linebacker. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that, that would be really honestly. If I was a coach now, I think I'd add that. Like I don't know. I need I need I need two spots for him. Give me the if he fails at the position. We're projecting. Give me the the, yeah. the contingency. When you were plan. scouting him, was well, he also playing safety? In yeah, high school, you know what I mean. Know, like, like, that's, that's a really smart way of going about it. I totally agree. And I don't know, if, like I said, they're doing that intentionally. If they are, it's brilliant. But it's something that you're, you're starting to notice now, and it's actually it's 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 helping them out. Manufacture depth. Talked about it with Rojo and the running back position. That was obvious last year, but I think now you're starting to see it. Linebacker. Oh, uh, no, mm -hmm. overshone, and now with Tyler Owens, we're going to experiment with it there. I wish they had an off season to really complete some of these experiments or get more data yeah, on them, yeah. information. But it seems like that's a trend, that that's something that they do. Like that's something that they yeah. prioritize. And and I love that idea. It's a baseline that if you just go and focus on the hyper-athleticism, not so much how mm -hmm. he fits these positions, yeah. like whatever label he needs to be put in. And instead of that, it's like, no, we need to get this guy. It's a football player. It's a freak athlete that can do these type yeah. of things. And then figure out where he's going to fit our team because we have to make up this roster. One last break on the show and we will wrap this thing up and put it in the oven when we come back and close out another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. <coughs> now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. At Sprint, our priority is keeping our customers, employees, and communities safe. During these uncertain times, we want you to get the great service you expect without leaving the safety of your home. Sprint.com makes shopping easier by offering free next-day shipping and no activation fees on our best new phone deals, like the amazing iPhone 11. Lease it for just $15 a month when you switch to Sprint. For now, shopping online at Sprint.com is the best way to learn about our plans, buy new phones, and get the services you need. Stay healthy and go to Sprint.com today iPhone 11, 64 gigabyte, $15 per month after 14, 17 monthly credit applied within two bills. Requires new line of service, 18 month lease, and approved credit. 
If you cancel early, remaining balance due. Offer and coverage not available everywhere. $30 activation fee, taxes, and restrictions apply. If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic, and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. <coughs> now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic, and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, couch purring, bed leaping, and of course, companionship. Wonderful. And what breed would you say Nico is? I'd have to go with a tabbyish Persian kind of mix. Tremendous cat. I'd also like to point out her coat's wonderful mix of colors. Is it black, gray, gray-black, brown? Somewhere in between. Indeed. You know, it's always special when we get to see a cat like this. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And how she's so incredibly cute in her indifference to commands. A strong-willed feline. Ah, and see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. I know. Fantastic cat. Fantastic indeed. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. We first opened about 10 years ago. We were, we were small, just a few of us. But it was exciting. I always dreamt of having my own business. It was kind of slow at first, but things started picking up. We had big plans. But in our wildest dreams, we never, never thought we'd have this much work. Yeah, with so many businesses caught off guard by the storm... Reed Waste Management has never been busier. What will become of your business after a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now, before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. This week for Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game. For everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049-1019 AM1260 streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Where you can get Rod B. Each and every week down the triple option from 3 to 7. Shameless blood. And you can also get myself and Craig Way on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. Thanks to Matt, you can get our archives, our classic interviews, all of our shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. And search Horns 24-7 Podcasts, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, search Horns 24-7 Podcasts. You get State of Recruiting, the flagship, and us. And this week's flagship podcast with Chip Brown and Taylor Estes is, in its entirety, our Texas Tailgate virtual chat with Tom Herman. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7,